perpetual in perpetuity. It's not wrong. Uh, Dennis, my buddy, uh, another week, another dollar, another patreon.com slash happy hour. E-A-K or W-E-E-K. Well, we were treated with with probably the best episode of Your Honor that's ever aired in two seasons. Was good. Was good. Because uh, uh, Olivia is coming into her own, and she's by far got the best part in the fucking series. She has the best part. She's the local detective. That, no, uh, no, no, that no, took... no, the mother. Oh, her name is Olivia? Yeah, yeah, right. I thought so. And, well, uh, uh, and her line, yeah. her iconic, soon to be iconic line, each the fucking cannoli. Yes. Then, that was so good. When I rewatched it. When I rewatched that scene, he says he doesn't want to eat it. No. And when he, when he puts it in his mouth, he looks like he's going to fucking gag. And this is what we learned. We learned that he is so afraid of her. Yep. That at the end of the day, he will do what he's told. And then in the little seduction scene where they finally got to fuck after, I don't know how many years they've been estranged in the, in the boudoir, right. she grants him a night in bed to which he eagerly, uh, of course, uh, approaches. But part number two is she is absolutely has him under her controls. Absolutely. Totally. And he's, he's turning out to be uh, what his father-in-law would say is a, is a weak man in his dysfunctional family. And that scene when Grandpa, the old Italian dude living on a fucking island off fucking Sicily, go figure, is standing in his grandson's room. And his daughter comes in and he consoles him. And when he chokes up, when he says that he was just a boy... It's it's probably one of the best scenes in the whole series. Good yeah. acting, good writing, great cinematography. And I wanted to comment to you that if you recall this, that when she hugged him, she hugged him in such a way that the back of her head and his face was all you could see in the screenshot. She didn't yep. hug him face out or face down or hug his chest. She yep. did what appeared to be a quite a natural hug and hug him so close that she was kind of behind his ear. That was another uh, striking uh, uh, point, you know, important part of the screenplay where we're clear that not only is her character coming to her own, but her father is central. Yes. Her father is central. The dynamics have changed and we're so tired, I am, of the pathetic fucking judge and his depression and oh my, he finally eats a piece of peanut butter and realizes that life is good. Right? Did you catch right. that? 
Yep. You know, and and so maybe he's coming out of it. And as soon as he stands up to fucking detective fucking whatever, LaPoya, uh, who is just, God, she's a nasty bitch. Rosie Perez. Boom, yeah. he's arrested. Boom. Yeah, I mean, that, wait, it's, well, it's not a spoiler of the actual ending. That's the uh, the, the pre-ending. Uh, yeah, the, um, yeah, the, like, what I, what I emailed you of, like, eat the fucking cannoli uh, sounds like a, a line from Moonstruck. <laughs> like, yeah, or uh, you it, remember the, uh, the, the story of uh, The Godfather where the ad lib line from, the, from the, one of the men who was a driver when they were going to go out and, and kill a guy, they had to kill the guy, then leave the car, and he said, ditch the gun, bring the cannoli. But that right. line of exactly. bring the cannoli was ad-libbed. His line right. in the script, it was, ditch the gun. Right. And ever since, uh, cannoli is, uh, is a mobster snack. So I've never seen it made. And I thought that she was wonderful in the making of it. Just yeah, the whole I'm going to so go put angry. on a chef's costume and and do all the deep frying myself and the and the kneading of the dough and all that stuff. Of course, good shots of like of dough kneading it can be very you know violent. She uh, was oh so angry, and right. the fact is is what it established for me is that she often goes back there and cooks. Yeah, the head cook in the kitchen knew to clear the area had her uh, chef's coat ready to go. And at the point you know for certain that she's a chef is when she presents it on yes. the clean table yes. in a, a half moon. And the last thing she does is clean every last crumb and then yep. stand behind it and welcome them to the table. You know that she is indeed a, 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 a practicing chef. Right. Uh, did you suspect there was any poison involved? Uh, no, no, be, I didn't. Might be no, some... I, didn't. I, I thought that her her uh, ownership of the moment and the spiritual connection <clears throat> with the, being the godfather of her child and her absolute anger, right, kneading uh, the dough. That was that that she had fed on poison. And she was poisonous herself. She was infected with poison. She Indeed. was pissed to the max. It didn't need any other uh, drama. Like with the fungus that. in I her think, brain. I think he might have suspected it. <laughs> right, exactly. When, the when, tentative when, bite he made might have been, oh, well. Um, and I thought that the screen, the writing of when she knows that uh, her daughter, Fia, is not going to be there. Yes. She instantly graphically slides the shit into the waiting trash can, which which would be at a table like that. Exactly. It would be there. Exactly. And it was it from the moment that was that was I was fucking impressed. You've never heard me say that about this show. No, you've never been in not never... in thirteen episodes if I told you I was impressed with all things. Never. And the general lighting and everything around this episode was 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 very nice too. Um, so 
you did you recognize the uh the father-in-law that came into town from uh from italy did you recognize that person from uh from gangster movies of the past not not specifically he was instrumental as the one of the primary bad guys in breaking bad oh no well i never watched breaking bad right and uh so he and he and brian have a past uh obviously uh, uh and uh it was it was good to see him because in breaking bad he was always like in a wheelchair and like he'd had a stroke and he couldn't talk and he had this he had this bell on his wheelchair that he would ding 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 whenever he was like upset about something so it was nice to see that like the actual actor is uh is is well and well and good uh but yeah he so he's so practiced at playing this uh evil mobbed up guy that yeah. uh that's... well he's he's it's authentic i mean he's He's a real old Italian guy. I mean, right. the first thing that he's got to do to make it work is open his mouth. The second thing is just appear. You know, I mean. Well, in Breaking Bad, he was—I guess he was probably Mexican or whatever. But uh, uh, the the other thing, the the one bullet point that I wrote down from the previous episode, um, where the judge was sort of proffering his head to to the gangster's gun uh, was it, it reminded me a lot of Breaking Bad because the whole what makes Breaking Bad work is that his character no longer fears death yes and once really, you get to a point where you yes. no longer fear death you're capable of anything and the detective said to him, the uh, right. I'm sorry, the the assistant U.S. attorney said to him, "Hey, just can you be truthful with me? When that gun right. was pointing your head, was it a relief?" And of course, we knew that it was. But here's something for you to consider: all of this dialogue and all these scenes about this uh, this what I will call alleged uh, pointing of the gun in the in the uh, in the in the basement. There's I have a theory that none of that actually happened. That Michael actually just left the party. And, and he dreamed next, all that? He didn't dream it. He wished it. And the reason I say that is because the very last Ooh. shot of that scene is him in the garage on his knees, and he's completely alone. And my thought wasn't that they left him and he kept kneeling there. My thought was that he was always alone, that he went, he broke. He, he fight had, club. He fight clubbed. Uh, well, no. Well, I don't know what you mean by that for sure. There, I mean, uh, not well. Yeah, kind of. Right, right. One of his personalities was under gunfire, but I. Th but it's also quite plausible, of course. Anyone would say is that no, they they left him there, and he was in such a state that he just kept kneeling there and never moved. You know, um, I. I I liked I liked the I'm not going to be your executioner line. Like yeah, uh, you clearly want to die, and because I hate you so much, I'm not going to even give yes. that to you. Oh yes, oh yes. 
I'm going to punish you in the worst imaginable way. I'm going to let you live. Right. Exactly. Your wretched life. Although the taste of peanut butter was a spark. Well, I mean, who doesn't love a good peanut butter after a gun to the head? Well, I don't think he did for years. True, true, true. Just case in point. I'm just saying. So, so did you also, did you also, uh, well, hold on, hold on. on the, sorry. Uh, let's, we have to talk about well, the more, final line. Oh, 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 yes. Completely ruined, I must say, by the fact that immediately thereafter, they showed episodes to come, what was to come. Well, no, the first, not to me. I'm only judging the episode that was. Oh, okay. Well, interesting. Um, it was riveting. It was riveting, like, and it, it. I thought, you know what? Good because this is that that, be that was a good. long, a long settled uh, thing that they went and disturbed. Far settled. Far yes. settled. Far far settled. But he's long, no stranger far. to death. He's no stranger to murder, and he is. Uh, he is a despicable man. The judge. Oh, yeah. Uh, so, because, like, in the initial episodes, he was jogging to go visit his wife's grave, right? Yeah. That was in the, how, in like, the cemetery the very, right across, the very first. Right across yeah. from uh, one of the most famous restaurants in town. It's called the, uh, the Admiral Snow. The, the Commander. No, no, no. Anyway, a great, huge, bright blue restaurant. Right Kentucky Colonel's from... Chicken? No, it's uh, the commissary. No, not the commissary. I'll think of it later. Uh, but when we ate there, and I don't know why I remember this, probably because smells are the most powerful memory. Indeed. Is that where we sat, and it might have been the whole place, it smelled damp. It smelled of menu. And it was so overpowering that I couldn't, I finally asked to be moved to a seat that even though it was chilly, uh, in a patio. It was too dang anyway, where you were. I, who cares? Who gives a shit? This is just the... You, you, were, you were given a dank seat. Dank. And uh, they said, how do you like your seat? And I said, no, thank you. Yeah. Thank no, you thank very you. much. Yeah. All right. Good, good, good. We covered that so the, story. Well, so what else though about the uh, about the episode was that he finally tells the truth to the mayor. Yeah, and, and the mayor the mayor basically says, as we've kind of thought, because he's been lying by omission to the mayor. He's actually said, in at least two prior episodes, that he's done. You know, he's what he says is. I've never done anything not to protect you instead of answering the question. In previous episode, did you ever say anything to anyone about me? And the judge's response is, I've never said or done anything that wasn't to protect you. Right. And now he comes with this with this admission. And, and the judge says, you are a piece of shit, which he is. Which he is. Yes. He gives up the mayor. He gives up the fucking mayor. He's a piece of shit. And and the mayor lets him know that. 
yeah and but man what a what a tough job the mayor has this whole like uh you need to not piss off the mob people so they don't kill you, but also the people that voted you in expected something from you and you haven't done anything. And, and now he's now he's got to go back to the investors, the black but, investors that he met with and, and tell them, actually, he's going to let Jimmy Baxter do it. And they're going to say, are you fucking kidding me? I, I was drooling? I was impressed though with his uh okay Baxter I'll give you your stuff but here are the conditions and then like took a whole bunch of ground away from away from uh Jimmy Yes but at the end uh, of the day uh he uh, Baxter Jimmy only had one goal in mind and that was to build the Baxter district and right. those conditions that he gave actually were paltry compared right. to the amount of money that he plans on making on that on that plot of land and so uh right. yes, which is which is why it was so which is why it was so clever of the mayor to to take those like low-hanging fruit uh because i think he also knows that jimmy doesn't care about any of that stuff well, I don't know if he, course, I don't know if Jimmy's going to be like a like a Donald Trump person that like then doesn't pay the employees or whatever. He uh, doesn't. There's nothing about him that impresses me in that way. I would think that he's he's probably a pretty good uh, businessman when it comes down to it. But the thing that the thing that's interesting is know that the mayor cut a deal with the Department of Justice, and now he's part of the investigation. And he said there's only two things that are going to happen. One is. Jimmy Baxter's going to build this thing under the conditions we have, or he's going to get busted before that. And either way, we win. Master right. stroke. Yep. So, yeah. So, well, well done to him. Uh, the other thing, again. the other thing that that I gotta I gotta comment on is that I'm unimpressed with with Cranston's acting. Vis-a-vis his grandson, he he loses because of his and he would say that's because I'm so depressed. I'm suicidal. I'm depressed. I can't really get close to anyone. Well, he is, in fact, getting close to fear. He is, in fact, um, uh, I, I don't know. I guess there's nobody else. He's close with the judge, whatever. But but by by not making that appear to be something meaningful for him for right Michael. the fact that he's like i can't it see you anymore matter. it doesn't yeah. I mean, and he, the baby's there and he doesn't he doesn't look and i don't i'm not saying he should caress the baby or do anything that is that caress the uh, baby uh, outward judge outward but at least can you not look sad can you look can you look something other than just bland and something and somewhat, you know, bewildered? I mean, he's got this mojo going of this depression. Right. And it is very, you know, it is what it is. It's nonstop, but there's no other expression. There's no other emotion. 
there's some sarcasm when it comes to dealing with the detective, which shows that he's got a little life in him. You know, yeah, but there's but there's really, no twinkle. We just open the door and let her in and not say anything to her. Yeah, he's got you know, and but but when it comes to this child, he doesn't he doesn't he he doesn't know apparently he doesn't know or doesn't care to to mix the emotion of depression with the emotion of painful sadness, which would make it so much more meaningful and and actually make you understand why he wants to kill himself so badly. Because he would even deprive himself of something that is emotionally uh, connected to him as his only remnant of his son, who, who, who is the reason that he's so crazy and so depressed. But at the same time, the living tissue of his son, umbilicus atomicus, is there. Right. And he fails to make the attachment. And one would say, well, that's because he's depressed. Well, I think I want something a little bit more complex than that from him. Boy, that's a hard, a hard line to walk, I would think. Uh, Well, I'm not suggesting that it's easy emotion to convey, but I know, I know if I were directing it, how I would do it. Okay. I want you. I want you to say. Oh, damn that it, line. Brian! Show it. I show want you to say glimmer. that line, and I want you to say it as if there is a nail that you just stepped on sticking through your fucking foot. Say the line like that just happened. Oh, uh, he says. He says, "I can't see you anymore. I got a fucking nail in my foot." <laughs> wait i'd have to say wait a minute brian 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 that's not what i was going for. bring it back. see bring it back. seeing you is so painful god fuck yeah well anyway beat less. to death beat to death the horse is dead uh so i caught up also on the uh, fungus infected people movie uh, show that it um, the the parts where it gets all z word is are Zombie, yeah they were crawling out of the ground was uh, that, that, definitely that, a z scene. That that bit is uh, is so less interesting to me than all of the emotions and drama around that. Like, I so uh, I guess since we talked last, I heard an interview uh, from the Washington Post uh, podcast uh, with a with an expert on video games and especially video games turned into movies. And uh, he talked about how uh, how this was by far the best video game to movie uh, genre uh, leap ever, uh, and how like one of the creators of this show is one of the creators of the video game, and 
And then after I heard that, I edited our last episode where you talked about your sort of disdain and dismissal of video games as a, as a genre. Uh, and, uh, but he talked about how, uh, there are so like one of the reasons that video games, uh, the industry is like 10 or 50 X what the, uh, what the movie industry is is part of yeah, this right. Which was ability to tell stories and that there are uh, there are cinematic video games where they draw you along a storyline and you can sort of act in a particular scene with your character or whatever, but you're going to be pulled along this storyline. And there are video games that make people cry because they're so poignant and other ones that make people terrified because they're so scary and how uh the last of us was uh and probably still is one of the best uh like when last of us came out and people started playing it they all said this feels like an hbo miniseries like this is this the the writing and the and the story it feels like i'm watching something on hbo which huh. uh which is super ironic uh you know 10 years later that sure. uh that it, that it actually flips and, and does that and um he talked about how uh this this plot of this show so closely follows exactly the plot of the video game like pretty much every single one of these episodes actually happened uh Except the only difference is Pittsburgh, Kansas City right Right. And uh, the the primary differences was that in the video game, you were seeing everything from Joel's point of view. So like episode three with the with the with with the bromance uh, uh, was not uh, diverted. They diverted a little bit. And also, importantly, because this was 10 years ago, part of the story of how the virus spread was airborne particulates and everyone was wearing a mask. And in 2023, that shit don't fly because we've, we're all accustomed to wearing a mask and we know what wearing a mask protects you from and what it doesn't. And we're smart uh, on masks and we don't, and we're sick and tired of seeing people without seeing their mouths. Uh, and so they specifically diverted that particular plot line to uh, um, to make it not that way, to make it transmitted by bite or whatever. Uh, but the um, it was really interesting to hear how uh, how interesting that that is. And his prediction, uh, he said, strangely, the the only other video game to movie uh, adaptation that he's seen that fans don't hate was the uh, Sonic the Hedgehog movie. Did, did that register with you at all? Not a bit. So long time ago on um, the, like there was Nintendo and then the other competing platform was uh, the Sega uh, thing. And there they had this, this, run along collect all the coins uh rings i guess uh character 
that was called Sonic the Hedgehog. Anyway, a couple of years ago, they made they made a sort of a live action thing that like everyone laughed at the trailer, and uh, but it turns out the actual fans of the of the video game actually really love that particular movie uh, more than like that was the previous example of a of an ad, ad, adaptation that worked. But um, and he also said that are you familiar with Super Mario Brothers? Does that ring a bell? Yeah, about? a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so the he said that How about later. Pac-Man? They, Are you going to Pac-Man? I used to do Pac-Man. Pac, that that you're showing That's your the age. last video game I played. Yes. Uh, later this year, they're coming out with a uh, with a Mario movie that is, uh, according to this to this uh, journalist, uh, is like the Three Stooges kind of. No, brothers like the two Stooges. It's no, no. Uh, uh, so Mario from the Super Mario Brothers uh, uh, video game is uh, he, he he likened it to, and I totally agree, is the most beloved character, second only to like Mickey Mouse, as like a thing that everyone. Enjoys. Oh well, that, I guess. I'm and and that that movie is going to make is that movie is going to make so much money. Fact of Mickey Mouse, but 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 the original Mickey Mouse, indeed, the black and white cartoon, right on the steamboat. Yeah, uh, steamboat Willie, steamboat Willie, baby. Good job, good yeah. job, Eric. I got, I that can is pull some. You were what? Like you weren't born for what? Twenty more years since that was. <laughs> You weren't born when Steamboat Willie came out, I don't think. When do you think it came out? I think that predates, predates you. I don't think so. Uh, really? You'll find out. Well, quicker than shit. Were, were you born before or after 1928? Before. <laughs> well, there you go. 1926, I was born. <laughs> Steamboat Willie is 1928. <laughs> I'm 94 years old. <laughs> How crazy. <laughs> oh. How crazy you is that? That it's that. Day, you know, that's funny. You don't look a day over 75. <laughs> Indeed. <laughs> so um, what else about this episode, though? Because I thought that it was, um, I thought it was, uh, uh, quirky and emotional uh you know the the whole thing about uh henry and uh what was Isaiah? yeah okay so uh first of all i i'm i'm pleased to see that both of these shows we're talking about the people in charge uh for good or for ill are are women like that's super rare in in entertainment uh like the the cops that are chasing down your honor uh and the and the mob boss in your honor uh like it, it the strong people are, are women and i've ever since she was introduced i've been curious with the last of us about the story of this kathleen person that's rule that's ruling kansas city 
and we got a little uh, a little insight into her background with like this is the childhood bedroom that I grew up in but um, well but I, I'd be super curious to like I, I I wouldn't mind a flashback where we saw Kathleen's journey to the present day well and as it turns out she's dead already so you know well, that's didn't... why I said flashback uh, well, well, I know that, but but I'm but my point and also is that... last time you 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 claimed that when you get bitten you're not dead, like a zombie. Oh, well, so we don't know what happens to her. You're right. I mean, she may not. Last, be, last may... time you pushed back on me about like if yes, you get bitten then you're undead you're right. or whatever. I'm sorry. I'm so, sorry. I'm glad. I'm glad okay. that I taught you something. I just want to. I just want to complain. I taught you something. Some analytical thinking. Finally, something different. What you know? I saw. I got to change the subject a quick second. For some reason, um, did you ever watch Whiplash? Yes, the I watched it uh, uh, two more times in the past month. A whole, a whole time, and then uh, tuned into about the last half. Because really, so you would much... you would want to that that movie was uh, that movie was I don't want to experience that again. It was the taste in my mouth when I finished that. Well, the fact that he it had a heroic, thrilling ending uh, apparently didn't take you out of your little fucking doldrums of misery from the fucking Mister Fletcher character who was. Just terrible, terrible human being. It was depressing for most of the movie. It was beyond it, but I thought that it re- reclaimed its glory uh, in the final scene, which was as good a as good a musical scene I've ever seen on the fucking screen. Uh, you know, the the thing I most recall about that movie was learning that the actor was actually actually learned all of that drum bit. Like, yeah, he's you know he's a big he's a big star now too because he's uh, he's playing uh, in uh, the the biggest selling movie of all time, uh, Top Gun, um, uh, Top Gun Maverick. Uh, he's the he's the uh, he's the son. Of he is. Yeah, he's the son, and in this one he's buff, and and obviously older than Whiplash. But also, uh, it is is superb acting. Miles Teller is his name. Um, Indeed. But yeah, I, I, there was no. I didn't have to read somewhere that he learned it. I knew he learned it. There was there. It was him. The shots. There was no finger fangle with the shots. It wasn't like showing his you know his shoulders and his head while you know. I mean, it showed him playing. That's so easy to do with with the piano. Yes, uh, it is. You, but, and Fletcher, I would imagine that the great actor who played uh, Fletcher, um, uh, J, uh, oh, J.K. Simmons. J.K. Simmons obviously played his own jazz piano. Obviously. There was no, you know, and it was sort of like, if Miles Teller can learn to play drums like that, you can learn to play the fucking piano, fucker. Maybe he knew already, but he was superb. Wow, yeah. That uh, that so do you think 
do you think like Miles Teller he learned that for a role and then when they said cut on the final scene he stopped drumming or do you think he like drums as a hobby now or do you think I think he's probably extraordinarily busy and he would tell you I I like I still love to play but I don't get to do it very much I think I wouldn't be surprised if he's playing somewhere with someone right but it would definitely be a jazz ensemble you know right um, you know, if if well, that's not necessarily true because just because he learned to play the drums for jazz doesn't mean that he couldn't want to play the drums for other. But there's no the the, the preeminence of the of the drum set in jazz would put it at the pinnacle of a drummer's dreams. I would assume. Right. You're not would gonna you- you're not gonna want to be the drummer for gospel. You're not gonna want to be the drummer for blues or even for rock and roll that matter. If you want to be something extraordinary, you're gonna be a jazz drummer. What a what a crazy career it is to go from job to job or there where you're like Okay, for the next nine months, you have to get really good at tennis or really good fly at, fishing. Uh, uh, fly fishing, and we're going to we're we're your employers. We are going to uh, hire experts to teach you to do this as well as possibly as as you can do it, and you're going to work for like all day every day to accomplish this or to or to get really buff or to uh to learn to drive or to get get, real fat get really skinny get really fat or or to learn to uh ride a horse really well or something like and then you go and then you get on set and or to like uh be a martial artist and then you get on set and you do your thing and they cut it together in a way that looks like you know what the fuck you're doing. And then they're like, okay, thanks. And then and then you're off to do, do the next thing where it's like, uh, now you're going to learn to be an artistic painter or something. It's just like, what a crazy uh, and interesting life that must yeah. be and you get paid so much money to do it and it's like oh yeah i'll do this well, that, that's why everyone wants to get in on that that's why everyone wants to be and there so few do oh my god and but so i've mentioned this before but uh i listened to this this podcast uh by uh dana carvey and uh oh, it, david spade about, yes, about snl I and, would love to hear that sometime. And they they talk about uh, they talk about celebrity in this weird way about how uh, how the transition between being not known for anything to being immediately known for everything, and how uh, and how angry people asking for autographs are when you when you start to intimate that you're like okay there's only 10 more like i I only have time for another another two uh how just livid they get 
just with this, I don't know, with this assumption that yes. you owe them that or something. Yes, uh, right. Well, and it's, anyway, yeah, it's and, and how that how that celebrity is, and how going from job to job, and uh, and how you don't know when you make the movie, you don't have any idea if it's going to flop. Like you put all your effort into this, and you make this movie, and you put you're everything into this and then six months go by where they're editing the movie and then it comes out and you have to do all the, all the press around it. This, and, uh, this big, uh, big production with Brad Pitt and, um, Robbie, um, Margot Robbie, Margot Robbie is a good example of that. The came out and completely, Completely got creamed by the critics. Nobody went to see it, and it died of quick death. And it was all of that. It was all of what you say. With hold on, hold on, hold on. The the last two I remember. The last one I remember about with those two was something something about Hollywood called Babylon. Is the name of it? Babylon. Period film called Babylon, starring Brad Pitt and Margot Robbie. Huh. Never heard of this, which is probably related to its uh, demise. Two thousand twenty-two. Huh. Well, I mean, just given the ensemble cast, as uh, Facebook said, so much money to make and just lost money. Bomb. Well, I mean, really, yeah. So the budget was eighty million, and they made sixty million. So my point: if twenty if twenty million sounds like a loss a to you, then yeah, it does. You know, if a film doesn't make mo- if if the film doesn't at least break even, it is what we call a quote bomb end quote boom bomb. All right. Could have been worse. Don't say that when you're going through uh, TSA. Security, right. Uh, right, right. So right. let's let's uh, let's focus back. We we got pulled away. Uh, the this Henry person, like in the previous episode, Henry was this. Uh, enemy number one like she even said you know we heard some info about henry let's go there immediately and and her number one was like can we do that like tomorrow and she was like oh is this your seventh priority because it's not my seventh priority is this your seventh fucking priority because henry killed her brother uh and and he was like uh no that but that's a pretty that's a pretty slick uh move like I, i I, I respect that. Uh, oh, is what I just told you to do not important to you? Because if it isn't, let me know. And how do you like, think she's doing in that role, the actress? Uh, she's fucking scary, like uh, like she should yeah. be. Uh, but I, although, I although you know, I my I I kind of had the impression 
that the more I saw her, the more I would be comfortable with her in that role because I've seen her in so many other roles and her voice pattern is not particularly commanding. Um, yes. And yet, and, and yet it, it's kind of disarming, but she shows herself to be so fucking crazy and murderous that the voice is just don't be fooled kind of thing. But just as quickly as I was kind of being, being coming more comfortable with that, her, her, as far as we know, her character was gone, but you raise an interesting point. Even well, though we saw it looked look like her it, face was being eaten off. And, and she was so, uh, you know, kind, seemingly kind to the, uh, to the captives, but then she's totally willing to slaughter innocent people because well, she sent her brutes in there to kill them all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They went in with three AK forty-seven that they got off the street. Right. <laughs> when they were when they were fourteen, when they were in counseling. <laughs> oh, so uh, uh, devastating news! Is a little bummer here on weapons and the mass murders right up the road from us here at Michigan State I University. I saw that. Yeah, chilling, man chilling three dead five injured could have been worse as one would say but the whole campus shut down students are leaving in droves they don't feel safe they're scared to death um the fact the fact that that was only a little tiny blip on my news radar is yeah, tells you everything you as know. fuck i think there like, was 167 mass shootings in the United States so far this year, something like that. I think yeah, I got that number right. It's not. Uh, it's not a small number. So I just learned that the actress that plays Kathleen, Melanie Linsky, is married to. Uh, since 2020. Uh, is married to Jason Ritter, who is John Ritter's son. Hmm. John Ritter being the uh, actor. What's he most famous for? Two couple. Three's, um, three, uh, three's Company. Three's Company. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, uh, and a beloved and he, actor who died. Who died young? He died on set oh, of. Of eight simple rules, uh, yeah. Anyway, that's also sad. Uh, so, right. well, we go from mass shooting to the, the deaths on set. I I, I really loved gone. So all our listeners are gone. So it's yeah. just you and me, buddy. <laughs> I I loved the. Uh, okay. So I tried to watch the first episode with my family of Last of Us and because I was like, hey, this is a good show. It's a little scary. There's a little zombie stuff. And as soon as the old lady had shit coming out of, out of her mouth, all the whole family was like, no, 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 no. Turn this off. Uh, but what, I, what, it, what it allowed me to appreciate is that 60, 70% of the first episode was getting you to fall in love with Joel's daughter. 
because she's so f- nice and and yeah, well. and friendly and and lovable and the, yeah. and just the way that they did that to then jerk that rug out from under your feet uh so hard at the end was a pretty masterful uh like that that was well well done um and the other thing is i loved in this in this fourth episode fourth fifth episode um how the kids got along and played i loved oh yeah that uh well it was uh they set the stage for such an emotional erupt abrupt um uh, scenes, you know, no spoiler actually, because that would really be too much. But uh, which is why that brought me back to the why thinking about that brought me back to the first episode of uh, right. how 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 lovely and poignant that was, and the um, that they that they chose that they chose to make him deaf, like that was optional but they but they did and that shows you know inclusivity of uh you know more diversity in the in the show like it's very it's very very well done it's very very well uh written i think and um i think pretty realistic considering the genre the 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 i i heard a show the other day um, from a biologist who explained uh, the basis of the show uh, being fungi and, and, and fungi and whether that is um, at all good science or not. And she explained a lot about it. And, and it included, of course, as you would expect, the potential for mutation at any given time. But one of the things that she said was, when I do research and I look at the threat of all things writ small on the world, I know that we are investigating viral threats to the nth degree, and there's so much being written. But let me tell you something. 1.5 million Americans died last year because of a fungal infection, and we know so little about it that it scares me to death. And that's the way that uh, little show ends. Well, that that was, I don't that, know if I mean, you're- science-based show. I don't know if you're misremembering or not, but that was actually how this show started, was with yes, no, I, I, old-timey I, I footage of an, ex, of an expert saying, uh, the thing that most terrifies me is, is fungus. Uh, but and this was this was a, right. This was a real true. It was a real scientist who did this just last week. Okay. Okay. So just uh, last week. And the other thing, uh, yeah, we're from my understanding of the frontiers of science, we are just barely exploring what the hell fungus is up to. And I think we've talked about before how uh, we've discovered that they are like 
providing this like internet communication system between trees under the ground in the forest where uh they the one fungus organism. yeah that where the fungus is like passing nutrients from the asp to the willow uh during some parts of the parts of the year and then when the willow has more nutrients it's it's returning it moves, the loan to the food uh, so the, through the, the fungus video, the video you sent me was was astounding but the thing that strikes me after having uh, thought about it and i'm afraid dreamt about it last night oh sorry is that um when uh a uh fungus knows there's food it will go in the fastest direction to get there and if there is something it doesn't like on the way such as salt right. or light that it will avoid those things and so there was a, a urban planning group yep. that was planning a regional metro system and came up with a design based on all the science they had at their disposal yep. and then years later they use some a fungi a, a fungal cell, right? Searching for food and avoiding light, and used as the uh, basis of like they're they're designing a mass transit system. So a city where they wanted to go was food, and a body of yep. water or a mountain or a river was light, and when the uh, cell the fungal cell tracked to the food, it created something that was actually more efficient than the humans could do in all of their science. And this is by a one celled creature. Yes, that is very I about fell off my chair. <laughs> yes, that is very close to the truth. Uh, it's my understanding that Slime molds, despite their name, are not actual fungi. They're, I think they're uh, technically bacteria. Uh, but, uh, but yes, I also fell off my chair because uh, that's like w literally one of the uh, the thing that they teach you when you're learning computer science that seems like it should be super easy, but actually like mathematically isn't, is what they call the traveling salesman problem. And the traveling salesman problem is, uh, you've got all these cities and these, uh, all these nodes, all these cities and these highways that connect them. And you know, the distance and the cost of traveling each of these highways. Uh, what's the most efficient way to visit all of these places once? Uh, and it turns out, uh, counterintuitively, this is a problem that is, uh, what they call NP complete, which means that it can't be, you cannot guarantee the amount of time it's going to take to solve this problem with the, like computing power. Uh, it's just one of these hard problems in computer science. Um, I'll put a link to in the show notes to all Does this. Does it take crap. into account like for... Um, distances between cities, the average number of days or hours that the yeah 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 it, 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 you're, or down or the 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 link between the nodes 
the highways between the cities are given a weight. Like this is how much it costs to move from here to there. And given that, uh, ah. it's you can't you you can't do that well. And the fact that this, with, for all intents and purposes, uh, conscious consciousnessless uh, single cell can use its mechanisms to with avoiding things and and going to things that it likes to more or less solve that problem is pretty humbling we'll, we'll call it so there there we go well it's the uh the other thing to comment about your video was how hilarious it was that and uh, he, they kept beeping the guy out because he kept swearing. Every he said a lot of words that I was surprised they didn't bleep out. And at one point, he described he he he, he was he was wild with his descriptions of the mole. You know, he uh, I, I've been I've been a fan of his for literally twenty years. Really, uh, he was. Before there were, uh, before YouTube was around, uh, and before vlogger was a term where like a person releases a video every week or every whatever, uh, he was doing that and he was so entertaining and he gathered such a following. Like at some point he like had a Ted talk where he talked about how he harnessed his following to do good in the world or whatever. Uh, but uh, but now he's, I, I don't want to call him retired, but n now he puts out a video every couple of months like this, where it's all about nature and stuff. And he's, his, his sense of humor comes through so, so well. Uh, like he, he laughs, like there's other ones where like there are ants that are like climbing over each other and, and he, and he sort of giggles about like, Oh, don't put don't don't put your butt in his face or whatever. Uh, <laughs> well, just the thing is, this is his delivery is so rapid fire. It's so good. It's so the good. Funny parts. They're so fleeting, and that you've got to listen. So you're kind of chuckling about what he said, but he's already onto something else. So I, right. I, I, yeah, it was it just, was it just was great. Just like this this podcast, really. Uh, <laughs> You like, I just we said a like, thing and now I'm on like, to the next we thing. We are like, a, we are, we are, they call us fun guys for a reason. Indeed. A couple of fun uh, guys. Just a shout out. His, that guy's name is Zay Frank. Z-E is his first name and Frank is his last name. Uh, and I will link the hell out of him on in the show notes at happyhour.fm well, slash a, uh, one seven six. I got to tell you that I am uh, absent two episodes from now. Uh, just mark your calendar. And with that, I've got to scoot. It's I'm been so a wonderful hour. And I'm so glad you got the editing done. We every, you know, I've told, I've told everybody that yes, there's a lot of money involved, but he's worth every, every, every bit of money he gets for the, for the work he does for this show. So I, on behalf of me and, uh, one day it would be nice to actually have the income, uh, be able to afford the domain name. 
Uh, so we're, <laughs> when that, when that moment happens, we're going to celebrate our domain name. Yeah. It's like 80 bucks a year or something. Oh God. We're so far from that. Because like, uh, your typical, uh, Dennis's com is like seven bucks a year. You can get that. But, uh, for a dot FM, uh, that's more expensive. So we're, uh, we're on our way there. Luckily, oh. I just got paid. Today's my first payday for, with my new job. Oh, so yeah. That's I'm a, rolling that in the money. A, that's a big deal. That's a big it deal. It is. It is. Well, man, but I will. Uh, we still will need more money. Next week. And I did, as you saw, I caught up on all the homework. Let me see if uh, all the stuff you sent me. We talked about the cannoli. Uh, we did everything. We did talk about the. Uh, the magic box, but we covered that in the last episode, the delivery yeah, yeah, box yeah. from the porch pirates. I thought that was fabulous. And Dirty Dancing was great. The uh, uh, Hillary yes. Clinton uh, Trump uh, song fest. Although I wanted there to be more of it, it I would have loved it to have been the whole song instead of just the first part. Just, just saying Dirty Dancing got that song stuck in my fucking head for like yeah. three days. And now another that was all good. That was all good. And you sent me some shit about Pedro Pascal, which I didn't, I don't, I haven't seen almost all the shows he's been in except Game of Thrones. And I didn't realize it was him until I, until I saw it. And of course he was the Red Knight. Of course he was. He was very I, excited about that role. I, I loved how, how he had uh, more than one role where his, uh, where his eyes were, were gouged out. Gouched that was funny. Out, right. <laughs> it explained how it was done. Well, and, anyway, bro, and, I'm out of here, man. I love you. I'll talk to right. you in a week. Later, man. And we'll talk offline about this thing in May. I got to give it some thought. I'm intrigued. Peace out, bro. Good job. Okay, that's it for episode number 176. You can find the show notes at happyhour.fm slash 176, where there are links to the godfather scene and the smart slime video and the traveling salesman problem all of that good stuff you can support the show at patreon.com slash happy hour and see you next week